Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, welcome in to another edition of the Wolverine.com postgame show here on the Wolverine.com's YouTube channel. Uh, those of you who hear it after the fact uh, will get it in the, the podcast feed, replay, all of that stuff. Uh, so I am Anthony Broom. Uh, we're going to talk about Michigan's 59-0 win over uh, the UConn Huskies, hoping at some point we'll be able to get Ryan Van Bergen in here. Real quick before we get into the show, though, and again, send your questions on in, your takeaways, thoughts, whatever you have. We will go over all of it over the next half hour to 45 minutes as we recap the game. But I want to talk really quick about our friends over at Lewis Jewelers. Keith at Lewis Jewelers has been a wonderful ally, wonderful friend of the Wolverine uh, for for a long time now. We're happy to have him on board sponsoring our post-game show on Saturdays. So uh, shout out to Lewis Jewelers. Shout out to Keith and his team over there. Lewis Jewelers, the only jeweler who is a proud sponsor of Michigan Athletics and where Ann Arbor gets engaged. So let's run through it. I have producer uh, Hutch is here. Ryan Van Bergen is here, so we can pull him in Hutch as well. Ryan, what's up, man? Not much. I'm trying to make sure technically I'm all set. All right. Well, if if you want to take a couple seconds to get the tech stuff sorted out, I will do just a quick little rundown of the box score. Uh, So Michigan wins 59-0 over UConn. Again, it was... It was it was thoroughly dominant again, and and in a lot of ways, offensively, some stuff to work on. But you know, 465 total yards, 273 through the air, 192 on the ground. Uh, penalties, four for 24 on the day. Didn't turn over the football. Uh, didn't give up a sack. Just a clean performance. JJ McCarthy, 15 for 18, 214 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. A pretty clean day for him and. Michigan's quarterbacks in general, uh, eight guys played under center today as Michigan sort of fulfilled what it wanted to do for the third week in a row. I think at this point, just about every guy who has dressed for these first three games did get some playing time in the non-conference, which when you play a non-conference slate that is as, let's just call a spade a spade, as light as this one was for the Wolverines, you have the opportunity to do that. But uh, it was... Three performances that were thorough against three of the worst teams in FBS. This is how it's supposed to look. And and again, uh, your first your first shutout, too, since the 2019 season, a 52-0 win over Rutgers. So, uh, Ryan, I guess immediate takeaway, just a couple quick, uh, quick fire takes from what you saw on Saturday afternoon. Maybe not. Ryan, can you hear us? Uh, while we wait for Ryan to get some more stuff sorted out, uh, just so back to the Michigan quarterbacks, I saw a question. And, and feel free to get your questions in during the live chat here. Uh, we will bring them up. Producer Hutch is on the back end working the working the the chat for us. Uh, we have someone who asked, uh, was eight QBs a thing before today? I'd be hard-pressed to – I mean, I don't know how many box scores you can look up in NCAA football history where Michigan plays eight guys, but uh, 
again, an opportunity to get everyone in the mix there. A couple questions about Cade McNamara I saw. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, post-game press conference. This stuff is coming in live, so updates coming in hot and heavy here. Uh, Jim Harbaugh says Cade is probably going to be out a few weeks with a leg injury. It is not expected to be season-ending. So now all of a sudden, backup quarterback's a question. Uh, J.J. McCarthy is obviously the guy moving forward, but – uh, it looks like, you know, the, the next guy after Cade to come in today was Davis Warren. Alan Bowman also has reps there. So whatever continue the, the backup battle between those two guys, I would expect to pick up in practice here. But uh, Ryan, it sounds like we have a little bit of audio now. I think so. Can you hear me? I can hear you. All right. All right. Awesome. This is what happens when we do stuff live. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, coming back to you, I mean, I guess just some rapid fire takeaways before we uh, talk some of the bigger picture things and take questions. I think you see a team that's getting the most out of a, what we can call a preseason, uh, which is making the most out of what the schedule is. I, I think that's probably one of the things that's a hot topic is, do you think that this is beneficial to the Michigan program to play three of the worst teams in college football to open up the season? And the answer is we can't control, you know, what, what games we play. Uh, at least these guys that are playing the games can't. And so I think you have to do your best to execute, be consistent, um, take care of the football, do the fundamentals well, and get lots of guys involved. And I think we've done all the things that you can expect to do in a preseason game or preseason uh, three-game series is what happens before you open up in the Big Ten. Um, I feel like offensively, our weapons are probably as high as they've ever been uh, as far as who we can get the ball to and who can make plays. And I think our uh, co-offensive coordinators are doing a really good job uh, making sure everybody gets their touches. Uh, defensively, I think we look really good and solid, as we should. Uh, the problem on defense is I don't feel like we've been truly tested. I think that one thing from this specific game that you can take away is our rush defense look really solid against what is a good U UConn running back. So um, there's a lot of good things. Some things that I would like to see more of when I was thinking about it is what can you say, all right, we need to improve on. Defensive takeaways. I feel like that's something that we haven't really had a lot of in these three games that you would think would be a little bit more prevalent. Like, yes, there was a fumble loss, but that was just an error on their side. Um, so I want to see the defense take that next step in regards to getting some turnovers generated. Uh, but overall, we've done the most we can do, including this Saturday, over the last three Saturdays with a cupcake uh, first three games. Yeah, I guess all you can really do is play the, the teams are the play the teams that are in front of you, right? I mean, this is. Um... Colorado State, Hawaii, UConn, probably three of the five worst. I mean, depending on what analytic you go to, what rankings you go to, probably three of maybe the five or six worst F teams in all of FBS. So all you could really ask for at that point is that it does look dominant and then it does look clean for the most part. I mean, I can't think of a ton of things from these first three games where, I mean, offensive line, I think they still have some chemistry things to work through there and uh, you know, Trent A. Jones has been up and down at right tackle, but uh, run game, I mean, still could use some work. Blake Corum is a horse, 12 carries, 71 yards, five touchdowns on Saturday. I can't remember the last time a Wolverine rushed for five touchdowns at the big house. Oh, wait, it was Hassan Haskins against Ohio State. Um, you know, so efficient on the ground, but still not popping as many big plays as, as maybe we thought they might coming into the year. And they didn't have Donovan Edwards on Saturday, which – Seems like it was precautionary. I think he would have played if this was next week or a game that had a little more uh, importance to it. But overall, I mean, you look at this team offensively, uh, the passing game, 
looks like it, you know, there's still after last week, I think a lot of people shift their expectations to thinking, all right, well, all of a sudden you throw JJ back there. We're a downfield passing offense. And I think what you saw in this game is a renewed emphasis on just taking what the defense gives you. Uh, they were UConn much of the first half uh, when the game was, I guess, quote unquote, in doubt was basically playing at safeties back, you know, at in the parking lot of Briarwood mall, they weren't going to get beat deep. Uh, so Michigan zigged when the defense zagged and it was taking a lot of the underneath stuff. And that's where we saw Ronnie bell have a good day. Seven catches, 96 yards. AJ Henning uh, had kind of been quiet to start the year. Four catches, 37 yards, a 61 yard punt return touchdown. Also took a couple carries in the backfield, which is an interesting little wrinkle too. Um, so offensively, I, like I said, I don't know that we, I think Michigan, whether it was JJ or Kate at quarterback was always going to predicate their game plan based on what sort of look the defense shows. But I think Saturday sort of helped us tap the brakes a little bit on the fact that, um, you know, they're going full shotgun or air raid or things like that. Seeing a lot, saw some, some looks out of like 11 personnel and things like that, which is they've, they've thrown some more of that in their last couple of years. But Overall, I just think offensively, uh, not the sexiest day, but got the job done and took what the UConn defense was able to give them. I agree. And I think that one thing that's really kind of popped off to me is how well our receivers do in blocking when we do those smoke screens, bubble screens, stuff like that. Um, Obviously, it's not the best competition. We're not experiencing the most stout secondaries and stuff to see how, how we measure up good on good, but you see these guys downfield on blocking plays. We don't have to throw the ball downfield. Roman Wilson can turn a one-yard throw into, you know, 15, 20-plus-yard gain. And a lot of that's credited to how these receivers block for each other. Uh, it goes all the way into the tight ends with uh, Eric All and Schumacher. These guys are doing a tremendous job downfield. And when the defense is going to open up and play an umbrella coverage where they're keeping everything in front of them, that's what you have to do, yards after catch and throw the ball short and make plays with the ball in your hands. And – that's one thing that's just so encouraging is I feel like uh, Ronnie Bell, Roman Wilson, uh, AJ Henning, all these guys with the ball in their hand can run with the ball in their hand and make things happen, makes guys miss. And when you have that plus the ability to burn a coverage deep, if they were to come down into the box, that's a very dynamic offense. And I think defensive coordinators as we enter the big 10 are going to be uh, have their hands full planning for the JJ McCarthy uh, full onslaught of what he can do and what he makes the offense able to do and what you have to prepare for. So uh, I think there's more to, more to come, more big things to come. Uh, I think we've been keeping it close to the vest and I think offense, you can expect to see some more development, more excitement as we continue through the season. I want to talk to you a little bit more about JJ's performance. I mean, 15 for 18, 214 yards, uh, probably could have had a couple passing touchdowns, but guys were tripped up at the one yard line. Um, his, you know, his completion percentage actually comes down after only completing 83% of his throws today. But uh, it seemed like there were a couple times where, uh, you know, reads are still a bit shaky. Uh, you know, going through your progressions is still a bit shaky. I know there were a couple of QB runs that looked like they were uh, give reads that he kind of pulls himself and play gets blown up. I just, I guess, what did you see from JJ today? And, you know, really, I mean, last week was his first start, but this is really his first start with, without the pressure and expectations of that battle weighing on anyone. So just thoughts on how he performed today. I thought he did a good job getting the ball to where it's supposed to go. Um, I thought he did a really good job. 
of those small throws, those short throws, those smoke screens, those things that he's throwing that are near the line of scrimmage. There's a lot of quarterbacks that miss those throws. And yeah, you want to see the big bomb and see him throw it 50 yards plus downfield, but being on target on those throws and on time is so critical for the success of those plays. And he does such a good job. It's so routine for him as it should be for an elite level quarterback. But the fact that he just checks the box over and over and over again on those short throws, I think is not something to be overlooked. I think he's going to have to try and change his mindset a little bit because he's been trying to convince the coaches and the fan base and even his own teammates that he should be the one uh, leading the team. So he's been looking to uncork and, and show something special, but sometimes what's special is going 10 for 10 on a drive and putting the ball all in the right place at the right time. And then Blake Corn finishes it with a running touchdown. You know, that's what we need out of the quarterback every now and again. That's what we got from McNamara and our offense can be successful without him having to be a hero. And I think that's something that he's going to have to try and wrap his mind around a little bit that uh, although you're on the Heisman list and everybody's so excited about you playing, you are the composer of an already very successful orchestra. So every now and again, you're just going to have to play your role. You don't have to be a hero and put on a cape to go play offense. Yeah. And the thing that separates him from, uh, from Kate is the fact that, you know, from a skill set perspective, he might be a little more better or a little better suited to make a play when things break down, but you know, snap to snap when you just need to make the appropriate read, make the appropriate throw. Uh, that'll come in time. I mean, the only way, you know, Jim Harbaugh's line is frequently the only way to get better at football is to play more football. So that's where this non-conference to kind of help get his feet wet as we move forward and into the Big Ten season is is critical. So, Hutch, uh, I want to start bringing up some questions here. I see a few in the queue. Uh, guys, also, you are able to, if you want to move yourself to the front of the line, uh, feel free to hit that little donate or super chat button below. Uh you know, a couple, couple dollars out of your pocket puts food in my dog's bowl, uh, helps keep the lights on at the Wolverine, and we get you to the front of the line, and it's a shout-out for you as well. So uh, let's go to a question here uh, from Big Farm, and this is a defensive line question, so this is right up your alley, Ryan. Michigan can't get pressure with four, so who's going to step up as a dominant pass rusher? I don't know that they can't get pressure with four. I don't know that I've seen that a lot, but your thoughts on the play and, and who you think emerges? Uh, I, I see the point being made that we haven't had people on quarterbacks like we did last year. But again, that's a high benchmark to try and get to again, to have two first round draft picks on the edge and competing to get to the quarterback first. I feel like you've seen some guys that have done some good things. It's we haven't had that emergence of that edge star that we've had. I mean, years and years and years at Michigan. I say, I think Michigan is turning into the edge university um, if it hasn't been already. Uh, so I, I can understand that we don't have that star power that we're used to seeing, but I think that there's a lot of guys doing a lot of positive things. Uh, one guy I like watching a lot. He had a couple good pass rush moves was Braden McGregor. Um, I think he's still figuring it out and getting his feet wet, but once he has some experience, I feel like he's a guy that's going to be a big impact on the edge. Um, I think that I've seen, uh, I always want to call him Farrell, but it's Harrell. Uh, Harrell, uh, has done a really good job in a lot of edge situations. I also feel like in this particular game, you saw a lot of three defensive linemen. And then the fourth guy was a stand-up backer or even he's on soft stand or still come off the edge a couple times. Uh, the fourth guy, a lot of times was a backer or even a nickel guy in this particular game. Um, so I'm not concerned with the lack of pressure that we're getting, but I can see that, you know, we don't have that star power we're waiting for that one guy to show up and have a monster game. And, uh, I do think there's guys that can do it, but I also think that 
you know, there's better offensive linemen that we're going to see in the future. So we, who knows, this might be uh, Nostradamus predicting that four defensive linemen can't get the job done when we get into the big 10 schedule and we'll wait and see. All right, we'll go to this next one here from Welch's McGee, who says, need to open up the battle at right tackle again. Yeah, you know, Trent A. Jones, well, it's just offensive line in general. Obviously, it was the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line last year, best unit in the country. On paper, you bring in a Remington Award finalist uh, at the center spot to replace Andrew Vistardis. Your other three guys are back in Ryan Hayes, Trevor Keegan, who was banged up a little bit today. Uh, and Zach Sinter, Trente Jones is, is the new face and the guy who's played the least amount of football. And through three games, I think he's been a bit inconsistent. Now, he was battling for the right tackle job with Carson Barnhart, who is currently dealing with an ankle injury. Uh, has a little bit to do with the fact or with why we, maybe we haven't seen someone else out there. But I think that Trente Jones and really just the, that, that Michigan offensive line in general I think needs could do a better job holding up in both the run and pass game. Is that what you're seeing so far? I would say, yeah, I, I would say, especially in the run game, I think that there's times where we're not making it to the second level and that's what's the next step for our offense and our run game specifically is a double team, but having the right guy come off and be able to get to the linebacker and impact the linebackers pass to the, to the back. And not only that, but when you leave the double team, making sure that the guy that's staying on the defensive line and the down lineman is in a good position and uh, doesn't lose the block after you come off. And one, I feel like I've not seen a lot of us coming off of the double teams and, and getting hats on linebackers. And two, when we are get coming off of a double team, that first block isn't secure. And that's why you're not seeing the big gashy run plays. Cause I think Quorum's just as fast as he's ever been and is hungry to get some longer rush plays in there. Um, but I think that's something that comes with time. And honestly, it comes with consistency. I'm all for competitive uh, by position, competing by position and getting someone, uh, you know, the fire lit under their butt by putting someone else in. But at the same time, offensive lines about cohesiveness and being able to have chemistry with the guy to, your, to the guy next to you. And at a certain point, you got to commit to who your guys are going to be and let them get better together. And the coaches aren't, obli aren't oblivious to this. This is something that I'm sure they're looking at in film and working on getting better at. And, the capacity to be able to do double teams and to, you know, get into the second level and spring some runs. We have that ability. It's just a matter of being able to do it with some consistency and with the same guys. So um, I, I think we've got some guys that are, are going to be solid offensive linemen, but they are good, not great. And we need to take a couple steps forward in order to be great uh, on the offensive line again. All right. We'll go this next one from AO underscore KO who says with Kate out, who will the backup quarterback be? Is it Davis Warren, Alan Bowman, or Alex Orgy? I'm right now, after three games, it sort of feels like that Davis Warren is being prepped for well, he was being prepped for QB three. Now it's it's an entirely different battle with Cade McNamara out injured. So I would say it's probably right now it's probably Davis Warren two A, Alan Bowman two B. We'll see how I mean practice moving forward will determine that. Like I said, they've always been one injury away from having some depth questions there. And when you have, when you play Colorado state, Hawaii, when you play UConn, like the, these teams that you play starting next week, it just, it looks a little bit different. So um, do you go with the guy in, in Bowman who is, has experience playing at Texas tech, got a little bit of run at Michigan or Davis Warren looks very talented. We'll see what happens with that. But 
yeah, right now I, I think that there that'll be a battle for them to decide moving forward. So, uh, Ryan, I want to ask you a question for me. Now that we've played three games, we can go offense defense with this. What what do we like most about what Michigan's doing offensively? And then maybe what is something that you're maybe I mean, after three games, I think you could call something a concern. What are what are some some things you like and some concerns you might have with the offensive side of the ball? Uh, some things that I like is I love the amount of weapons and how we've been able to employ those weapons that we have on offense. Um, you, as a defensive coordinator, I think about what you would do on the whiteboard to defend against Michigan's offense currently. And you've just got so many different ways that Michigan can attack you. Um, one thing that I think that I would like to see more of is being able to throw the ball down the middle with more, more consistency. I feel like that's something that we haven't been able to do hitting dig routes, uh, you know, deeper crosser stuff like that through the middle. We haven't seen a whole lot of, and you know, there could be a, uh, because of the defenses that we're seeing. Uh, but I would like to see a little bit more there. And then I think that we've done a really good job mixing in perimeter and interior plays, whether you want to call those screens to Roman Wilson, a run or a pass, I don't care, but that's, targeting the outside, targeting the inside and mixing up and uh, keeping defenses from being able to key in any certain area on the field, I think is huge offensively because we can do what we want with the ball. Um, I would say concern wise is we have not seemingly dominated the trenches against some, what we would call inferior opponents. And when we see some good big 10 defensive linemen uh, front seven types, I wonder if that run game, if people are going to be able to make us one dimensional, because I feel like if you put that pressure on McCarthy and turn us into a one dimensional team, turn any team one dimensional, uh, it gets them out of rhythm and, uh, it, you know, impacts how they perform. So uh, I moving forward, want to see if we can continue to develop the run game and be a little bit more uh, threatening with our run game, as opposed to just, you know, getting yourself, getting the chains moved. Um, defensively, I worry that we just haven't been tested uh, when it comes to our secondary. I feel like our front seven have played solid and they'll play solid and continue that playing against Big Ten opponents. But um, I feel like we have not seen a really star receiver, good quarterback, uh, throw the ball up and give some guys some chances because that's how you can lose games against teams that maybe you shouldn't lose to. I think back a couple of years ago, Michigan State, I think it was the COVID year, but how many times they just decided we're throwing it to our one-on-one -on -one and hoping our guy wins. And we didn't win those scenarios. How many times have we really seen our guys in, you know, defensive position past 10 yards down the line of scrimmage so far this year? Not many. And if a team decides it's what they want to do is air it out and give their guys chances in one-on-one, -on -one, I'd like to feel some more confidence that our defensive backs can turn their heads around, play the ball, stuff like that. Um, but the other thing, defensively, I've really liked how many guys are in the rotation, how we doesn't seem like we have any missed assignments. Uh, you know, our communication looks solid. There's been times – um, where McDonald's defense last year, and we haven't seen a lot of tempo, but McDonald's defense last year, Michigan State got us by, we're not aligned, we're getting calls in late, guys signaling back and forth, and seems like there's chaos out there. You haven't seen a lot of that. With all the guys that we're rotating in and um, the depth that we've been able to play, you'd think there'd be some more missed assignments, some more miscommunications, but uh, they seem to be all on the same page regardless of who's out there, and that's going to be a huge thing moving forward because you know we're going to see tempo eventually. Yeah, uh, and also want to shout out uh, Welch's McGee here. I'll bring his post back up real quick. Said all of his questions were covered, and he dropped a super chat for us. So a couple extra bucks in the pocket of TheWolverine.com. Welch's McGee, thank you so much. Again, if you want to move yourself to the front of the line with a question, a comment, 
uh, feel free to do the same thing. So it uh, looks like we have a Penn State fan in the chat. Uh, if I had to guess who Banana uh, Captain Banana Peel is, uh, who says we have a fan, as a fan base have to take Penn State more seriously. I don't know if that's a we. Uh, maybe that's a Penn State. I, I don't know. It's There's a lot of discourse going on in the comments right now. Uh, this is actually something from the message board uh, that I wanted to bring over. This is from uh, user Pump It Up who says, am I the only one concerned that we might, may not be emotionally mentally or physically ready next week due to this schedule. And the fact that we have not to break a sweat, we have not had to break a sweat in three weeks. Aside from a few minor weaknesses we have seen against this competition, I feel the emotional and mental side worries me more. So Ryan, do you have concerns that this fat, this team, uh, how this team responds to being punched in the mouth? Because everything's come, I mean, not just easy for them, but they've been playing in a lot of ways up against air uh, in some of these matchups they've had. So, do you want to see him get punched in somewhere and see what happens? Uh, yeah, I mean, we're going to need to be able to respond to adversity. If you think you're going to cruise through this entire season and hold the lead in every single second of every single game, you're mistaken. This team's going to have to battle it out uh, at some point. And I wouldn't say that I'm disappointed that we haven't had to battle it out yet or concerned that we haven't had to battle it out yet. Uh, the way I see it, this has been an opportunity to see all your guys at game speed getting game reps and making all your decisions, not just with your starters, but who's the first guy off the bench to replace X, Y, and Z uh, so that you give yourself the best chance to win when the big 10 starts, because realistically as a player, that's all you're ever taught talked to about uh, when you're leading up into, even when we used to have Notre Dame in the preseason or not preseason, but pre big 10 schedule was these games are all important. It matters, but at the same time, the big 10 matters more. So uh, everybody's tuning up and getting ready for big 10 football. I don't think that emotionally I'm concerned about how this team is going to respond. Um, I think if anything, they're just as hungry as ever uh, to go through and if not overlooking any teams, but finish September with uh, all wins. And then in October, you get your first test. I know Iowa hasn't looked great, but never underestimate going into Kinnick stadium and what that can do. Uh, so that'll be a hostile road game. And then, you know, we go through, we got Penn state that, in October. And then we finish October with Michigan state. So uh, the level of football is about to turn up. And I think that you look back at your uh, pre big 10 schedule, your September schedule, those four games that we're going to play and make as much development as you can, because the, the challenges are going to be much larger come October. Yeah. When you pick, you look through the schedule, I mean, yeah, it, it cranks up a little bit next week in that like Maryland can't stop a nosebleed. I think that Michigan, shouldn't have any problems moving the football next week, but at least from an athletic standpoint, they lose, they have some guys on the field that uh, either Michigan sort of recruited or recruited and lost out on. And, and it was, at least it's a little bit more of a match physically. I mean, I don't think I was any good, but that's a team that can, is going to punch you and push you around a little bit. Indiana, I don't think is very good, but again, Tom Allen teams always play tough and physical and Michigan has had their hands full with them a few times. So, Challenges are coming. I mean, the good like if they if they had to play Penn State next week, I don't want to say I'd be worried, but it'd be a big leap for them from what they just saw the first three weeks. So I'm not um, I'm not super concerned about anything so far. I think when you play three games and three opponents like the ones that were in front of them, it just has to it has to look the way it has. Um, no, it was nice to see those guys get a little more run, um, you know, into the third quarter of this game, but. Uh, as Hutch pulls up the schedule. So obviously Maryland at home next week, 
two road games, your first two of the year, two of the, that's two of the four road games you'll have this year. I mean, only really light slate when it comes to traveling away from the big house this year. So versus Maryland at Iowa at Indiana, and you'll get Penn state at the end of that stretch on the 15th, you'll heal up, uh, you'll rest up and then have to come off a bye week and play Michigan state. So again, we've, we've talked about the early part of this season as a dimmer switch of sorts. That's sort of what we're, we're gearing up for here. So you know, things get a little bit lighter once you get in November, but we know it's at stake that last weekend of the year. So, um, you know, the challenges get a little more each of the next couple of weeks. We'll see what happens at Iowa. We'll see what happens at Indiana. We'll see what happens when Penn state comes to town on the 15th. Uh, we will go over to some more questions again. Uh, let's take the one from John walls who says, why is Andrew Anthony not in the offense more? I have had the same question. Uh, there was, the first thing is that in order to get on the field with this school and at this university, you got to block your rear end off. And Ronnie Bell does that very well. I think Cornelius Johnson does that very well. Roman Wilson does it pretty well. Um, you know, a little more explosive than those other two guys. And Andrell did on, I think it was one of the earlier runs in the game. Um, but yeah, I would like to see him play a little more. Uh, he's a guy who we saw what he did at Michigan state last year. He could take a slant, you know, a five rounds, uh, a five yard slant. 80 yards down the field. I think him and JJ have good chemistry. I would think the longer that JJ kind of is, is getting his feet wet, a quarterback that means good things for a guy like Andre Anthony. But what do you make of not seeing much of him these first couple weeks of the year? I think he only has a couple targets. I wonder what's going on with that. I think it's a great question because I've had the same thought is why don't we see some targets going his way with old ball being spread around so much. There's a whole host of things that could be, and, you know, I don't mean to speculate, but he could be doing things not that he's supposed to be doing in practice. Uh, he could be doing stuff he's not supposed to be doing, um, you know, for a whole plethora of reasons. Or it's just there's so many guys that are getting targets that he's just his name hasn't been called yet and could be being held close to the vest. But he's an extreme talent. Uh, there's no question about it. There's we've seen the glimpses of what he can be. Um, there's the potential that it's just that he's not been a good enough blocker, stuff like that. Uh, but. I think that there's probably either one or two reasons, either he's got something that's not going well uh, in practice film room, something like that, or there's a package or something that we haven't shown yet that has a little more Andre Anthony, because he's a guy that I think can contribute, should contribute. Uh, There's got to be some reason that I'm unaware of that he's not currently more involved in the offense. And you would think a game plan like today where, a lot of it was predicated on just getting the ball out quick and getting your guys the ball in space. You would think that's kind of tailor-made for someone like him. And and maybe, you know, they do have a lot of guys. Everyone has kind of stepped up in, in different ways over the first couple of weeks. Today we saw more A.J. Henning. Hadn't seen a ton of him early on in the year. So maybe his time is coming. I mean, with the passing game, it could just be a pick-your-poison-each-week type of situation. But, yeah, uh, I am pretty surprised that we have not seen uh, more of him. So, uh, we'll go to Greg Ferguson's question, who asks, getting concerned about the offensive and defensive lines. Too many sacks and lack thereof, respectively. We've sort of addressed that here. Uh, I guess, what are what's the next step forward? Because it's not just next week you're the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line, and next week you have you know 10 sacks like you did, or you know like a dominant performance like you had in week one. So what is the step forward? Cause we've seen a lot of football from those guys now over three games. 
I think part of it, you have to look at it, take a step back and look at perspectively. Uh, today, I think you saw a quarterback that was ready to get rid of the ball to protect himself and doing a good job of getting rid of the ball um, before guys got there. There's a lot of pressure, and I think that's something that you should look at as opposed to just sacks, how many QB pressures, QB hurries were we able to generate? Because I do think that there's a good number there. And let's not forget game one, we did, it wasn't just a defensive line, but there were seven sacks. I think that was that first week. So um, we have been able to get to the quarterback. It's just a matter of, are we going to be able to get there without pressure, which I think is a legitimate concern. But I also don't think you're going to be able to answer that question until you see uh, a significant improvement in the opponent's offensive line and what they're able to do. Um, I think our offensive line has been doing a pretty good job keeping our quarterbacks upright. I mean, we've, we've, we were spoiled last year with, with our offensive line and we've seen Shea Patterson and guys before him that we couldn't keep upright, you know, for a series, let alone a game. So, um, I think our offensive line is doing a pretty decent job. I think they have not been tested and I think our defensive line has not been tested. And I think that's the root of all this concern is, uh, when we play someone that's more competitive, are we going to be able to generate consistent pressure? Are we going to be able to keep our quarterback without anybody in his face? And unfortunately, the the negative of this preseason schedule or early season schedule is that all of us have to sit on our hands and wait and speculate. So um, I'm not concerned, but I could have a big serving of crow coming my way at some point in this October. Yeah, it does more than any other non-conference slate I can remember. This feels the most like an NFL preseason where it's like, all right, your starters are out after halftime for the most part. The opponents, I mean, nothing, the, the opponents aren't really going to test you with what they do, even if, you know, most most of the looks are vanilla and things like that. The one thing I'll say about the pass rush today is that uh, I, for, I think the man's name is Valentin Sen, uh, whoever it is, UConn's left tackle, came into this game as the highest graded offensive tackle in the country uh, per pro football focus. So, uh, and that was both in the run game and as a pass blocker. So not many good players on the field for UConn. That guy uh, was one of them and is one of the better offensive linemen in college football right now. So I have to go back and and see how Michigan fared in the one-on-ones there, but you know, sometimes you tip your hat to the other guy too. Uh, I, I still thought they were, you look at this defense. I mean, God, uh, Zion Turner, UConn's quarterback, was four for 16 for 17 yards. Um, they only ran for 86 yards as a team. Um, UConn had 110 total yards on offense. So, like, when I hear, when I see comments like, oh, well, this, you know, this team, yeah, they haven't been tested. And, oh, there, there are some little, little things to clean up here and there. There are always things you can clean up. But f- from a defensive perspective, uh, a lot of this had to do with the fact that UConn played pretty terrible, but also, I mean, regardless of lack of, of pressure numbers that pop up in a box score, they were disruptive. They were dominant. They had five tackles for loss, broke up a couple passes, a couple quarterback hits. Still a pretty thoroughly dominant day at the office. So not super concerned about any of that. Um, you know, this is a Michigan team that also sort of played up when it was challenged last year. I remember those games at Wisconsin and, you know, when you took a couple punches at Nebraska in the Penn State game. So, I think that DNA is still there. We just have to get to, we have to like super sim ourselves to when games actually matter here. So um, um, I was yeah. going to piggyback off of that real quick. Uh, one thing that I also would bring to light is the fact that there's not too many plays being had today. If you count the amount of snaps that you can, UConn had offensively, there's not very many opportunities to get sacks and, and have those statistics. 
these teams, they have six first downs. They went two for 14 on third down. The amount of plays and offensive snaps that they had versus our ones, our ones might have had, you know, 15 pass rushes, maybe not even, maybe 10 pass rushes. So, you know, statistically, uh, I wouldn't call myself an expert, but 10 pass rushes, you get one sack and 10 pass rushes, you're doing pretty good, you know. Yeah. So there's not the same opportunity when you're playing this inferior of an opponent to produce the same, same statistics when the offense can't move the ball. So defensively, you know, you're only out there so many snaps. Against Indiana, when we both ran no huddle, remember me and Mike Martin had 95 graded snaps, and we should have came away with six sacks apiece. We didn't. But when you were running against a team like UConn or Colorado State that they're not able to pick up first downs, keep their offense on the field, defensively, so the statistics just aren't there. Yeah, 53 total plays for UConn compared to 69 for the Wolverines. Uh, UConn threw the ball. Or they dropped back 20 times. Most of those were – I mean, they're just trying to get the ball out quick and not get their freshman quarterback killed. Uh, 4.8 yards per completion, 2.6 yards per rush. I mean, it was it was what it needed to be. I mean, there's just not, you know, I think week one sort of set an expectation that, okay, well, there are questions about the pass rush. And then now, you know, we get 11 tackles for loss in a game or seven or eight sacks in a game. And that's just, it's not going to happen every single week. You'd love to see it be a little more level, obviously, but. Um, they they were no concerns about the defense today. Two for 14, UConn was on third down, 0 for 2 on fourth down. UConn only had six first downs on the day. I mean, that's, I know UConn's bad, but again, when, you, when you're a team that as good, is as good as we think Michigan is, this is what it has to look like against a team that's, that's that bad. So you grade it on more of a pass-fail than you do A+, plus, B+, plus, whatever it is. So just get through it. There haven't been any... And honestly, outside of what appears to be a multiple-week injury for Cade McNamara, everyone's healthy coming out of non-conference play for the most part. The guys that are going to factor the heaviest into the next several weeks. Uh, Donovan Edwards, I would expect to be back next week. I think you can get Carson Barnhart back next week. I just, I don't, I don't have a ton of concerns right now. I have a lot of questions, but don't have very many concerns. Uh, offensive line, probably the biggest one right now, and I would say that's more of just a question mark and something that will get ironed out over time. So uh, we do have about probably, I think probably seven more minutes left here. So anyone else who wants to get questions in, you are running out of opportunities to do so. So feel free to get those in before we get out of here. Um, you know, in the meantime, while we're waiting for you guys to chime in and we do appreciate you guys joining us after the game. Uh, where's my roundup here or my, I guess any other non-conference takeaways that you have? I mean, it's, Again, like I keep saying, it's looked to me exactly like I would hope it would look against three pretty pretty weak teams. My biggest concern def defensively is the generating of turnovers. Um, uh, again, having less possessions and stuff can attribute to that, but uh, it's been a, an issue. I feel like in the past, it was one of the small, one of the only issues in Mike McDonald's defense last year. Um, but to my knowledge, we have not generated a fumble. Again, UConn fumbled today, but that was just a CQ or a quarterback running back exchange that they dropped. We haven't put a hat on a ball and had a fumble pop out. Um, you know, I think we had one interception in game one, and I think that might be the only interception right now. Um, we've had opportunities. You know, Junior Colson, I know, dropped one that hit him right in the hands today. There was a penalty on that play. But um, the fact remains that we have not been able to generate too many turnovers. And luckily we have a very high powered offense that I think is going to be able to score and uh, do things with the possessions that they're given. 
but you can always tilt the odds in your favor if you can get an extra possession or two. So um, I definitely want to see an emphasis and an uptick in the defense being able to generate turnovers. And it is slightly concerning that those didn't occur in games where we're playing inferior talent. Well, looking ahead right now, next week to Maryland, I don't think they've played yet today. They are 2-0. Uh, they, have, they, they have not played today. They will play SMU tonight at 7.30. So chance that Maryland comes in town next week with a that you know a passing game that is is fairly high powered uh potential for them to be three and0 tests are coming so I guess things to be on alert for or things maybe you hope is are cleaned up and back to the turnovers really quick uh, that has been an emphasis for Michigan during spring camp during fall camp we talked to Steve Klinkscale this week the defensive backs coach and he said there it's one of those things where they're working on it. They're seeing it in practice, but it's just, it's, they just need a couple and they feel like it'll snowball because they do like their playmaking on the back end of the defense. Um, a couple dropped interceptions today on some weird, some weird bounces, but uh, I guess things to be on alert for when Maryland comes to town next week. Yeah. Cause Tagovailoa has been known to uh, push and force and especially if they get down in the game. So um, I would, won't say I'd be disappointed, but I'll be more concerned if we don't generate a turnover next weekend. All right. Any other questions that we have in the chat? We might get out of here a little early. If not, uh, this was from Jesse who says, OL has, OL has had some injuries. We should be better when fully healthy JJ legs will help out. Yeah. I, I think a lot of it is that they have to keep playing together. And also, I mean, we're getting to a point with Trent Day Jones where, you want to see the light come on for him soon, but if not, when Carson Parnert's fully healthy, I would expect him to maybe get some looks at right tackle. Uh, I think Gio Elhadi has played well when, when he's been called into action. Maybe there's some shuffling that's done there. Trevor Keegan is banged up today. I don't know that that's something that's, that's all that serious, but I think once those guys play together and once you get those reps against, against guys that, you know, you know, they have to have that like, unification sort of still take place in terms of playing against a unit that sort of challenges them a bit. So uh, sometimes it takes time. Uh, even last year, I think the offensive line, I know they ran the crap out of the ball against Washington in that game last year, but really didn't seem like they really truly got, got it together until that Wisconsin game, uh, that Nebraska game, whatever it was somewhere towards the early part of October. So it's going to take some time. Um, not concerned yet. I think that, uh, they've, they've played pretty well up the middle. I think the tackles are still sort of figuring it out. But again, um, if that's, I, I think those guys will wind up being pretty good. So if that's the biggest concern right now, Michigan's in fairly good shape. But again, you just got to keep playing games and, and getting better. So I think so too. And I think to the point of Jesse's comment that having JJ be mobile is definitely something that's going to help the offensive line out. I think one with regards to him being able to get out of the pocket, should it, breakdown or something like that but two as a defensive play caller I think you're much more likely to dial up pressure against a McNamara versus uh, McCarthy because McCarthy if you send people after him one you're leaving guys exposed in coverage and two if he happens to break contain or slide through your pressure then he's got a lot of grass in front of him and he can someone that can do damage with his legs so I think just having McCarthy in there even if he stays in the pocket the entire time 
changes the dynamic of the play calling defensively when you come up against Michigan. So um, the offensive line will benefit from the fact that McCarthy's so dynamic. And I think there's going to be some people, someone's at some point is going to decide to go all pressure and see how he does. And whenever that happens, I'll be up watching very closely the offensive line to see what are we actually going to be able to do? Because someone's going to decide to break the mold and come after JJ. So I'm curious to see who and when. I got a feeling it's going to be Iowa at Kinnick. I think they're going to come guns blazing in six, seven-man pressures consistently. But uh, we'll see. That'll be the real test of is our offensive line going to be able to hold up and, and be good in some of these bigger games in the Big Ten. Yeah, I think this team can hold up in a shootout right now. And I think that next week has a chance to potentially be that. Uh, I think defense will will step up to the challenge and sort of lock Maryland down a little bit, but uh, I think that they could fare well in a game like that. The question is, how are you going to play when you get into one of those big 10 rock fights? And Iowa is, is not a good football team right now, especially offensively, but they have this way, especially in their home building of just dragging you down into the mud with them. Uh, I want to see how this team plays in the mud. So uh, that's my biggest question. Uh, I think that's probably going to do it for us here. Uh, Michigan wins 59-0 over UConn. Another dominant day for the Wolverines as they wrap up non-conference play. Uh, Ryan Van Bergen, thank you so much for your time as always. Shout out to our friends over at Lewis Jewelers uh, for continuing to sponsor our Saturday show. Producer Hutch on the back end holding things down uh, while his Nittany Lions play at Auburn right now. So he's he's splitting time, but he's got things covered here. Um I've been Anthony Broom. Appreciate you guys. Uh, next week, uh, probably a little bit further after game time, uh, we'll be down a man uh, in terms of our post-game coverage. So I have to step up in some other areas, but we'll get the logistics of that figured out and be back here next week after hopefully Michigan moves to 4-0. So thank you guys for your time. Thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you soon.